Hey guys, this is the Damage Control Podcast, and I'm Anthony Angelillo. And I'm Melinda Grimaldi. Are you ready for our next episode? Let's get down to business. What's going on, guys? Anthony Angelillo, branch manager with the tag team, co-host of Damage Control, and award winner of Miami Agent Magazine 2020 for Top Originator of the Year. And we're going to be today talking about a very hot topic that is heartfelt for me because the bottom line is, is that there's a lot of people that are just killing deals without you realizing it. So we actually discussed this on Clubhouse two weeks ago, Melinda, myself, and uh, looking forward to this topic, man. Looking forward Don't to Don't be a deal killer. Yeah, yeah. Today's topic. So <laughs> Melinda Grimaldi, real estate and title attorney. Um, and we created this because we kind of want to talk about some of the things we just see often about how what is killing deals the most often, right? So we're gonna talk about what's killing the deal from ever getting under contract and then what's getting what's killing the deals like once we're under contract. So we're gonna go through different, we're gonna be jumping around with some different topics. So Anthony, um, you know, we both picked a few of these topics um, and Anthony's first one is like, it's a very interesting um, way to, to, uh, to describe it. Uh, and I quote, do not foam at the mouth like a wolf who had not had a meal for months. Anthony, why don't you, you get that? This one's yours. Why don't, why don't you just take this one? All right. So you don't, you don't want to look desperate, right? You know I mean? I, I feel like there's a lot of, give them context. Okay. So the bottom line is like when you have a client and that client is about to, gives you a call and says, I want to go look at this house. All right. And I know that Zillow says that you have to meet with the client face-to-face your conversion rates are going to go up. I get that. And I'm all about that. Meet them face-to-face, but have protocol, have proper protocol and intake and don't salivate at the mouth, knowing that it's a commission, you know, like a, a hungry wolf that hasn't ate for months. And you're looking at this client and they can sense that it's, it's, you know, your body language, your tonality, your, your, everything that comes with sales is, is very important for you not to under, you know, to undermine them in a way that they feel like a predator. Okay. And I understand that people might not think that they come across that way, but I also understand when you watch American Idol, man, people also think they can sing and they can't sing. Okay. So the bottom line is, is that I would personally record myself. Uh, and I would role play it. And we do that here in the office. And I think that's going to critique you. And it's it's important to role play uh, and make sure that you understand that delivery is everything. You don't want to salivate through the mouth and you don't want to make them think that your only care in the world is that commission. All right. We all have had those highs and lows, me included. And I get that you're, you know, you're, you're complacent at a, a certain level when you start scaling, people become fatter and they're just happy. Or if you're just starting out, you're salivating because you need that paycheck to live. So you're like, we need to, we need to make money. That's what I mean by that. And I feel like so that can is you give like an example. Pre-approval. Would, would being too available be an example? Like you want to go right now? Like, I don't know. What, what do you, what, what is something that they could like look out for or implement to, to not have? Right. So, so that, that goes into, um, underwhelming. Okay. If you're underwhelm, overwhelming that, all right. Underwhelming is going to be someone that is, ah, I'm too busy for that. That is my biggest pet peeve. If an agent tells me 
I'm too busy, bullshit. I'm not too busy. If I'm too busy, then I need to hire some more people to be unbusy, okay? Too busy is a comp out. And where I would go with that is, is this, is underwhelming in a position where if you, um, let's say pre-approval, let me use a pre-approval as an example. Pre-approval status, I got a client that flew in. They need to get pre-approved. We're about to go look at a house. They're definitely qualified with Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, whomever it is. I don't care. At that point, I want to know what this person's qualified for. Our protocol is X, Y, Z. So I'm not going to just drop everything and say, yes, we're at your mercy. I am going to accommodate, but I am not going to say to them, I'm too busy. I don't have the time. I'm shying away. Agents and uh, buyers are going to sense that. And it's important that you are available, but you give them two time slots. You tell them, look, we just did this consultation, came in, new client. When are you available? I'm available tonight. I'm sorry. I'm having dinner with my family. It's nine o'clock. How about tomorrow? Okay, great. Can you send me a link to set up an appointment? Absolutely. Now we're in an orderly fashion. So what did I do? I pushed back a little bit in, in, a, in a polite way. And I told, I set the proper expectations, which we'll go into. I know Melinda's going to talk about that, but it's the same concept, right? You're setting proper expectations. You're not salivating over the deal. You're not being overwhelming. You're not yet being underwhelming. Okay. Two different types of approaches. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I just right. big thing that, that uh, gets every single time, every single person that we speak to, you know, you never, the pre-approval status that we have, we have a three tier process and there's three tiers because what we have noticed in the last two years is that not every client is going to have the same credentials. We have an A paper client and it's it sent to us, uh, Bethany, an awesome client, dude, guys, very renowned. Let me tell you, but he's got a badass CPA, multiple properties. That's a layered situation. Can we get a pre-approval right there? Are we going to salivate because he's famous? No. The bottom line is, is we're going to get him in line. We're going to tell him, look, this is going to take several days because we have to correspond with your CPA. We're setting expectations. We're not being overwhelming I see. or we're not being underwhelming. That's a good example. I thought you were going to go. I thought you were about to go down a tangent. I'm like, but now I see what you're talking about. You're, you're, you, although sometimes you want, you want to be available and give that letter out right away there's sometimes people are situations are not that simple or sometimes you know it's nine o'clock at night or sometimes um you're already scheduled for something so you cannot yeah. be so available yeah. i get it um it makes sense and sometimes you're like why is this person so available you know you gotta have there's like a balance there okay so the next topic unless you guys have any questions let us know but we're gonna move on to the next topic we have 10 to discuss today um, the next one is, we've spoke about this before. We're going to speak about it again because it's a problem every week. Every week. <laughs> every week, I have either a delay or a cancellation because of the condo budget, condo questionnaire, condo litigation. Guys, please help me help you. This is what you got to do. Okay. First of all, if you're not, don't know what I'm talking about, just from that first sentence, go and watch the condo episode. We talked all about all the condo ins and outs. Um, but basically when it comes to condos, to have financing on a condo, there are certain things 
on the financial health of that company that yeah. runs, right? The association that runs the building. There are certain things, right? Budget, certain litigation requirements. All these yeah. things that may or may not be acceptable for that loan type of the buyer. So if you're wearing the listing agent hat, what you need to do is to collect certain things up front. You need to collect a budget up front. You need to, for that year, approved final budget. You need to collect um, uh, information about the documentation. You need to know how the buyer has to apply. You need to know all these things. Anything else you want to throw in there, Anthony? Master policy. Master policy for insurance. All the information, collect it. Why? Because I can't tell you how many lazy lenders there are out there, not Anthony and his team, but there's a lot of lenders that they'll wait, they ask for it, they send an email, they don't follow up, and then where are we at? We're at the day before closing and we still don't have what we need. Yeah. So if you collect it all and you have it, because we don't always have control, right, over who people are hiring, collect all the documentation that you need. We have a list, Anthony, right, in our, in our stuff. If you... The condo budget has all that information there. So the condo uh, episode, excuse me, has all that information. Collect all that information. Even how the buyer has to apply, where they have to go, what website, what number, because you want to give that to the other side. You want to hear a crazy stat? Okay. I just looked up the condo um, template that we have, and mm -hmm. we send it to agents that are always looking at condos. I just sent this out to, to Russo, Brad Russo. And that condo template has been opened 2,478 clicks. That's cool. Everybody is spreading that thing around. And it's, 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 it goes over what Melinda just explained. And it's just yes. set those expectations and uh, it's deadly stuff. So very important you guys. So if that. you're not like, you can look at this information, you'll find out if this condo that is your listing um, has these financial issues or is qualified for certain type of loans. Know that as a listing agent. Know yeah. what loans will work on your listing. Yeah. This way, when the offers come in, or you could put it not eligible for this or that due to this or that on your MLS. This way, you're only entertaining offers that actually can close. You are setting yourself up for a lot of wasted energy, time off the market, and a pissed off seller because their deal fell through from something that it should not have been a deal to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so collect your information up front. Now, on the flip side, if you're taking a buyer and shopping for a condo, what should they be doing, Anthony? Tell them. The first thing I would get is the, the, the final budget. I just was received a budget that was on an Excel spreadsheet. Not sufficient, man. We, we can't use that. Okay. Yeah, we've got numbers and yeah, there's liquidity and yeah, we're doing 25% limited review. So we don't even need the budget at that point, but that's the first starting point. Okay. And you've got to make sure that there's 10% liquidity in this condo. You know what we had? Bob just came in and um, he killed two condos. He's like, I'm not touching them. They're a hundred thousand and below. Okay. 25% uh, down. We're, we're going to talk a very small, small, you know, uh, loan amount. Now you're going to go into hope of co high costs. Now that's a whole different animal that we can talk about for an hour. 
And so the, the pricing on that's going to be horrendous, even if they have an 800 credit score. The margins now just got compressed. We're practically doing that loan for free. That's why when you talk to Wells and Bank of America, they don't entertain loans under 100,000 because of hope. But there's just there's so many complexities in the business that an agent and lender, some lenders don't know this, there's reason in why. Okay, there's reason in why. But condos, do your due diligence. Go back to our episodes about condo reviews. We give all that information in there. Let's go awesome. on to some other stuff because we got some. I know we, we've beaten this one down like a horse, but yeah, I bring it up we, because we, it's still we, happening. It always comes to the condo. It baby. just happened. We got, we got <laughs> we were supposed to close. I, I represented a seller. We were supposed to close on Friday last week. And on Thursday, we find out that the lender doesn't have anything they need. Why do you wait so long to tell us? Like, as a seller, seller's attorney, listing agent, we can go and shove our noses in that association and try to get something for you, right? Or maybe yeah. we have it or like communicate what's missing, you know? Oh, it drives me it, it sucks, man. I mean, and, and, and ideally in a perfect world, 25% down would be what we would want to uh, see. And if they don't have 25% down, maybe that's something that you don't ent entertain, you know? Cause it's just, it's months or, a, you know, a month could go by and then shit hits the fan. And now you don't have, maybe it's in litigation. Something comes up. Yeah. We have an approval. We just went over this two days ago. It's approved. We looked at the subdivision. Oh, that one got rejected. Okay. It's still 50, 50. One was rejected. One might not be rejected. It's, it's sticky, man. You don't want to go in those situations. We actually killed it. They're moving into a townhouse. That was actually Russo's deal. So it's interested. Just set the proper expectations and then be transparent to the client. And maybe they'll say, you know what? Okay, we'll be mindful the hell with it. Let's do a single family home. I'm not saying steer the client. I'm saying just set yeah. the proper expectations. Right, exactly. All right. All right. So moving along, speaking of expectations, let's talk about inspection period inspection report expectations this now, bothers you a lot <laughs> this bothers me a lot well this okay the why it bothers me a lot is we are submitting 95 percent of the time an as-is contract right so the as-is contract is saying i'm gonna buy your property as is the inspection period is really to make sure you know what you're buying so when you send a seller, a buyer in there to an inspection saying, yeah, then we're going to knock some dollars at the top during it. If you start like that, you will have a problem because nowadays sellers aren't budging, number one. And number two, really the importance of an inspection is to understand that there's damage defect. So you understand the conditions. Okay. If you, if you're buyer, if you're going into like a, like a home that has a lot of problems, you might not want to use the as-is contract, use the other contract, the standard one that has built in repair requirements. If that is your buyer's expectations. So, okay. I know the reason why they're doing it. It's obviously to get more money out of the seller uh, in terms right. of- Right. And I get that, but right now it's not appropriate. Number one, number two doesn't mean you won't do it. Doesn't mean you won't try to negotiate something to get it fixed or to get it um, credited. The idea is if you go in yeah. to your inspection, giving your buyer and pumping them up, yes, we are gonna, once we get in there, we'll knock a few bucks off. Wrong expectations. Wrong expectations, especially in this market, right? Yeah. Um, wrong expectations. You should be saying the, the, the purpose 
of the inspection is to understand um, the condition of the property and to know if there's any damage, defect, or danger. So here's a, a flip side. We have a situation right now, and the situation was the appraisal is going to be held off because the inspection came back. And I'm, I don't want to point fingers on anyone, but at the end of the day, I said to myself, send an email out to all parties. I told this to my operations manager. And he's like, why? I'm like, trust me, send an email out right now. I'm playing the game of chess. I already know that this is going to happen before it happens. And so we sent an email out saying, look, it's going to be delayed, the appraisal. Expect a delay on our closing. There's a big problem with the, uh, the house, and I don't want to call out the problem. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that has to be addressed before we have the appraiser go out there. Well, there's going to be a delay. Okay, so we better let everyone know that, look, we need to fix this. Then we have the appraisal. Then we can clear the file. So it's just, it's understanding the process, but also making sure to set up the expectations properly during that inspection time. If you expect a delay that you need repairs, well, expect a delay at closing too, man, because how long is the, those repairs going to take place, you know? Um, it's just things like that, that you've already experienced throughout your career, and then educating the listing agent and informing them too, saying, look, I'm just trying to be proactive here. This is a problem. This is what's going to happen. This is probably the delay. And we did that. We did that. Um, thank God. Yeah, letting people know a few weeks early about a possible delay is much better sell and much better feeling than the day before closing, right? So setting, you know, passing the ball and setting it right, right up from the beginning is, is, is a much better way. We try to do that as well. That's why we order everything so early so we can figure out the problems early. Okay. So, um, you know, whenever we did events with Max Home Inspection, they always talked about the three Ds, damage, danger, or defect. Those are the things that, that the purpose of the inspection, right? To look for those things. They're not there to nickel and dime and keep negotiating. Although, you know, the thing is a lot of times a damage, a defect, a lot of those things are visible, yeah. right? Like we know about them, the house should be priced accordingly. Now, if you're pricing the house at a high level as if everything is good and there's a lot of hidden things in there, then that's where, you know, the negotiations should come in because you're like, well, this is not priced properly. You told me you're selling it that it's like this, but it's really like that, right? Yeah. So like, you know, poorly done remodeling, for example, renovations in, in like the structural components, the plumbing, whatever. And they, they say, well, you just, you're selling it like brand new plumbing and that, or brand new roof, but then there's like problems, right? So that's different um, because that's, you need to match the property to the sale price. Um, but, you know, things are going to be warrant, warranted, like don't, like one thing that drives me crazy is the changing of the electrical block. Like what do they call the, the, oh, it costs like five <laughs> bucks to do. Like, are, like don't nickel and dime all those little things. If really what you want is one big thing. And then, you, you know, you work on that. So the negotiations I'm seeing sometimes are really crazy. I, as a good listing a good listing agent should know all of that. You know what I mean? Like the good, and, and here's another story. You know, listing agent that I saw that basically on the MLS said that there were hurricane impact windows. Inspector goes out there, he's like, these aren't hurricane impact windows. Done, dead deal, goodbye. We wasted two weeks of looking at houses, and you know, and an inspector comes out one week later and, and to, to say that this is false information on the MLS, the listing agent should have looked that up. Don't that's, just, that's a whole other like issue, right? So properly describing the property up front 
is a big part of it because otherwise it's like false. That's a false advertising, right? All right, let's move along. This is, it ties in nicely with this other topic, repair addendums. Oh my goodness. Repair addendums always have problems in the end. Okay, always, 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 always. Um, we have some people on this, on this live uh, show that have seen some problems with repair addendums. Repair addendums, especially ones that have a lot of things to be done or uh, very complicated kind of repairs to be done <laughs> are always a recipe for pissed offness and disaster at the end. What? That's one of your, your, the worst addendums you had to, to create. Like what, what um, I didn't even create this one. There was one that I had um, a few weeks last month. We finally closed. It was like one of those deals that never wanted to die, you know, like never wanted to be like the buyer. That's the one that the buyer walked from the table like twice. Yeah, I know which one that is. Yeah. We had a repair addendum with like 25 points. Are you serious? Some of them were like really small things and some of them were larger things. I hate those. I knew it was going to be a problem to begin with. And um, yeah, and it was in the end, I'm like, this is gonna blow up at the end and it did. And then the buyer did a walkthrough at the end um, to ensure everything done properly. And they're like, oh, the smooth closing hinges are not smooth closing, they're not smooth. They are not working to their expectations of what they're supposed to be. Like, how the hell do you deal with that, right? It's like so particular, like they're saying that the, the soft close hinges of the drawers in the kitchen are not soft close enough. They're not soft enough is basically what they said. So it really was a headache after headache. I suggest negotiating a credit when you can. Sometimes we have no choice because we need certain things then for insurance or for the loan. And those yeah. are the ones you should be doing repairs for. But other than that, negotiate the credit if it's necessary and, and, and do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Because then what if they do a shitty job at it? I would, depending I would, on how you write it, it's going to be what it is, right? They did it. So I, I would want to control the seller to do something that I wanted to make a repair on if I was buying that property. That's just me personally. But I mean, I, I want to have control of that situation. I want to know who the contractor is going to be. I mean, is they certified or is it some handyman? Like, what, what are we doing? A patch job? Yeah, Things like that. It, it, it's it's always had headaches. Dana in the chat is saying that we helped uh, her with one of those. That deal was also very messy, uh, you know, because because it, that was a big repair. If I'm not mistaken, it was the roof, right? Uh, and, and that's a huge thing. And we needed it for the loan. That's why we had to do it. If I'm not mistaken, right? right. For the for the before the appraisal, so we had to do these things. Uh, it was a you know. The sellers were difficult and they they were having their issues so long story short uh you know it is what it is we got it done we closed it but it was sure messy in the end um and they usually are when you have these repair addendums so if you could avoid it if you don't need it to close then that's it well another way you could do it is is just like have uh, find someone to hire the, the seller can put the payment in escrow and we there's so many other ways to do it um a lot sometimes people don't want to um like you know you reduce the price they don't have the cash to pay it later 
you know, so there is that issue, right? They want these things fixed and like based on the closing, they might not have the cash to pay it. They're reducing the cost. The loan's going to go down la, 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 and they don't have that cash after closing to fix those problems. So in the alternative, you could find a contractor that the seller agrees to, you know, hold that money in escrow to be able to pay that contractor after closing. We, we had that. There was an insurance. But even uh, that's messy. We had an insurance uh, company insure um, the premium on the roof. And this, this was like awful and it got forced place basically, but there was a $9,000 credit in the beginning. So it wasn't like the roof was caving in, but there was a credit obviously to repair the roof. Yeah. And the insurance company gave them a hefty quote. I think it was like five, 6,000 bucks a year, but they were supposed to obviously fix it after closing. <clears throat> later, forced place calling me up saying, hey, yeah, well, did you fix the roof? No, we didn't. Well, that's, that's an issue, you know? So it's just, once again, setting expectations, and yep. then that's a year ago. Uh, and thank God the, list, the buyer's agent and I covered that ourselves because they picked the insurance company. But the bottom line is, is you know, you got to set proper expectations on stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. That kills deals. It sure does. Um, it, the buyer walked from closing twice. We extended it like four times this closing. So it could have killed the deal. Um, all right. So let's talk about loan approvals. This is always like one of those things, right? So loan approvals, the contract has defaulted 30 days for loan approval. Now, loan approval is not defined, but it doesn't say conditional approval. It doesn't say like it's very, you know, it needs to be rewritten. I know there's there's talks about it being rewritten, the clause itself. But really, if a conditional approval is okay. Uh, in your loan approval, but you have to be able to know those conditions are good. Like they can't be tricky conditions. If they're tricky conditions, you need an extension. If there's conditions based on the building, is this conditions based on, um, you know, something that needs to be reviewed that might throw a wrench in it later, depending on like what, what it looks like, you, you need an extension on your loan approval period. Now, remember the loan approval period, I always suggest if you can, if you can do it, 30 day close, 30 day loan approval. We had no issues there because you should have a clear to close. But really the way it's worded, it's almost like it's worded as a clear to close, but it's not because we all know you don't get clear to close until you're like the day of closing day before. Like it's very rare you get, you know, 30 days in a clear to close and you're not closing for another 45 days. It just doesn't happen in the industry. So they're looking to make changes to the contract. But in the meantime, as a buyer's agent, you need to be very aware of that time frame because um, if something happens that they can't close, money goes that, that, that money is in escrow. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't buy something. It just that means that they can't buy that. And maybe that specific deal will be killed in this deal because they can't buy that property, but it doesn't mean they can't buy something else and your overall deal with this one party can't be um, closed, you know, with something else or they're asked to be using like six months from now. Right. So you have, you don't want them to jeopardize that. I always say, I always bring this up the 30 days that guy, that deadline, you really need to be on top of it. And if you have a lender that's not communicating, that's a problem. And then no, just we- remember, you need to communicate with that loan approval to the seller. We had a situation yesterday, Anthony was talking about, because if the loan approval is not communicated or delivered and the buyer is going to waive it, that's fine. But you know, a seller can walk. They have three days to walk. They can cancel the contract themselves and move no, on. No, elaborate a little bit, not too long on, on this. So, but this, this is a great, I mean, this is great to, to go over that. 
real quick, we implemented a system that collects uh, conditions now, and it and it and it gives the buyer's agent uh, warning on the condition list. Buyer's agents, devil's advocate here. Oh, you're giving them the conditions without consent. Consent. They press consent. Yes, it gets out. Uh, conditions are sent to the buyer's agent. Why? Because I want to. That's my party. That's my teammate. That's someone that's going to help me render those conditions and, and, and go through them to make sure that we can clear and close the file. Now, if you don't have a buyer's agent in this case, this is why I'm going to tweak the whole thing that I did. I'm going to tweak this after this case. There's no seller's agent. There's no buyer's agent. It's just the buyer and seller. Who do we send those conditions to? Obviously to the buyer, but did that person send them to the seller? No, we didn't send them to the seller in a timely manner. Elaborate real quick what, what's happening. So when those 30 days are up or whatever period and it wasn't provided and the, the approval no, notification was not provided, which a, a buyer is required to notify the seller of their, of their approval, conditional approval. Yeah. Um, the seller has three days from that deadline to cancel the contract. Now, we don't really see that happen too often, right? Uh, but right now in this market where people are coming above asking, cash deal, whatever, the sellers sometimes are going to start trying to cancel the contract. So make sure even if you have it, that you deliver the notice to the seller because that could be another deal killer right then and there. That, that's what happened. So she received something saying we're withdrawing the file and contract is, is, is going to be terminated. And we have the commitment in hand in prior to 30 days. Now we need to close by the 15th. We'll have a clear to close today. However, does the seller move forward? If we go past the 15th, now that 20,000 in escrow goes hard. So do I make that decision as a lender? Hell no. I tell the buyer, look, what do you want to do? A or B? And then they're going to communicate that with the attorneys involved. But see, that is something that is tricky. And I'm asking for advice with Melinda. 18 years, I'm like, look, what would I do in this scenario? What would you do in this scenario? I'm getting a second voice and a second opinion to validate what I'm reading uh, on the contract. Helping Good her stuff. out. Yeah. All right, Good go. stuff. Good stuff. All right. Moving to the next thing. This, you know, poorly written offers. So I was talking to an agent last week. Her open house had 200 people show up. She got in a two hour period. She got 34 offers. 34 offers. Damn, where are those 33 people? <laughs> Damn, okay. who's that agent? <laughs> you know her. Um, this was two weeks ago or a week ago. Okay, so now we're under contract. But to, so she had to literally make a spreadsheet and like compare the different categories between price, between loan type, whatever, all that stuff, right? Comparing. Now, okay. She calls me probably eight offers in and is like, dude, these <laughs> offers are terribly written, terribly written. Um, things improperly filled out, things not uh, presented nicely, um, mistakes, typos. Uh, okay. So, you know, a lot of times all things with 34 offers, you're going to have a lot of them that are very similar, right? But if those are poorly done, yeah, those are the ones that are going to go out first. Like this true. agent, where's she coming from? Where he coming from? Right. Yeah. So those ones, if, if all things considered equal, those ones were right at the top. Right. Um, so 
learn how to present your offer properly. We're probably going to have some episodes on this. Yeah, um, I, I, we were talking about this. Like, this is something that is an hour conversation. An yeah, hour. and I, and and so I and I, so it's like, yeah. She goes, you need to teach agents how to make offers. So we're gonna do uh, maybe something special on this because this is just it's it, it's it's true. But I do have contract classes, and I compare the clauses and give you best practices. But the point is, is that you know you might not be here locally. You not, might not be watching the same uh, using the same contract get the information um, that you need to prepare your offer properly. The boards have classes, attorneys have classes. There's always you can educate yourself. It's almost always free. Find those resources and get your offer and your contract game tight because that sets the pace for the entire transaction. And in this competitive market, if your offer looks sloppy, you won't get entertained. Because this is not the first time I've heard about 34 offers on a house. Yeah. Yeah. I just okay. had an agent call me up and they're like, can they read the DU. Um, one mm -hmm. agent called me up and said, this doesn't have a DU and it's just a pre-qualification letter. Whole, totally different uh, animal pre-qual from a pre-approval. And another one uh, went over the, the DU with me and I'm like, no, that, that doesn't look too good, you know, in, in my humble opinion. Um, and I gave her the reasons. And then I brought her back to our show, which is running uh, DU and, and uh, going back to that. And I guess she's obviously thanking me for that. But you guys got to write up offers, man. And, and it's got to be spick and span. Um, for sure. Presentations, everything with that, with the delivery. Absolutely. All right. So um, another thing is when you're presenting your offers, like your reputation, right? So it's, it's your reputation on the line. Um, and that's your work product, right? That's part of your work product. So you want to put your best face forward because um, people look at who they're going to, what all things are considered equal. This agent is nice on top of her game and good to work with. This agent's a pain in the butt and is always combative. And that takes us to our next topic. Our next topic is fighting with the other agent. So they tell us this as attorneys too. And um don't take it personal. It's not about you. It's not your house. It's not your purchase. It's not your divorce or whatever. You know, like it's it's not my commercial battle. You didn't screw me over, right? So emotion at the door. You gotta take the emotion out of it. We know that sometimes the clients can like get us get us going. I get that. They get you going, and you call me and get me going, right? Give me agita, you guys. <laughs> But the point, the point is, is that you have to have a, a good working relationships with the agent you work with as, as much and as difficult as that can be sometimes. And I say that because, and then that goes a long way, right? In terms of your reputation in the industry, I've had agents fighting at the offer stage and that if the lawyers didn't get involved to negotiate the offer, the deal would have died. So, and that same thing throughout the process, like, um, there was a gentleman on our clubhouse today talking about, let's not talk about my client versus your client. This is our deal. Let's let's work together to get this happen, to make this happen, right? So once you get under contract, it goes a long way to call and say, hi, you know, I just want to check in with you. Um, looking forward to working with you. Let me know what you need. You could always reach me. Let's get this deal closed. Crazy. Uh, something it. small like that goes a long way. I did that. I used to do that as an attorney when I actually had opposing counsels back in the day. And I sometimes, if, if I have the chance, will do that with the seller's attorney or the other side. 
Uh, we do that by email now all the time, but sometimes just picking up the phone and say, hey, I'm, I'm working on this deal. We wanted to introduce myself. This is how we work. This is what we're going to do. Let me know what you need. It goes yes. a long way. We just, um, the automation that's pushing out, now it's launched. It went to the listing agent and the listing agent gave me a call and was like, love this, this is great, amazing communication. Um, can you help me with this, this addendum? I'm like, look, I can you know, read it to me. Let me, let me see what it says. Um, well, obviously VA deal up to 4% seller's concession. So the wording that he put on that uh, addendum was perfect. And then I had him critique a couple things. Uh, listing agent. I'm like, you know, thank you for calling me. He's like, we're a team, right? You know, we're trying to get to the same finish line. I'm like, exactly. And just that, that is, you know, and he's obviously representing the seller. He's doing what's best for the seller, but the concept is he's open-minded, man. He's not, he's not like, you know, a stubborn person that doesn't give a shit. He's calling me, asking me for advice and getting a second opinion and vice versa. So Good stuff, man. That's, that's even even when something is being communicated to you and saying, "Listen, my buyer wants to offer this," right? I was like, "That's freaking crazy!" Like, don't react, right? Because yeah. a lot of times, and, and like, it, it's so crazy because if you react, it's like it, you're taking it personal. Don't take it personal. Yeah, it's not personal, right? So um, we were yeah. even talking about it as an example in a Fisbo transaction where. Like the, the buyer's father insulted the property. And then now the, the, the seller is trying to cancel a contract, right? You need to maintain that working relationship. Shut your mouths, yeah. you know, keep it civil and let's keep it moving. And that's, and that's the, leave the family. I, I would not be bringing everyone to an inspection or the appraisal. You're going to have somebody in the family that's going to say, oh, this isn't a place, blah, blah, blah. someone's going to open their mouth. So, and I know Dane and I, we had, <laughs> she's already said, yeah, we had that situation. So, I mean, I'm not saying don't bring your family. My family, you know, Italian families, they come with the, you know, everywhere. Melinda knows that, but. My, my dad was making offers verbally. I know. When I went to do my visit of the house, I'm like, dad, I didn't even decide I want to make an offer. Yeah, what do you do? Okay, we're going to do like this, point at the top. I'm like, like, so just, first of all. <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I would set those expectations for your family before you go and you look at a house. And if you can control the client to, and you sense that and say, hey, look, this is what I would expect. This, this seller is a little bit sensitive, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's very important. And then the other thing is don't freaking write up an email that is elongated. Like stop with the emails, everybody. Emails suck. They're awful. They're the worst. No one's going to read it the way you're presenting it. Because either you're a shittier writer or you're not a shitty writer or you're good or maybe you're, you know, what, what does that mean? They're going to take it out of context. Call, pick up the phone and call and then present offers that way or engage that way. It's just, it's better. Trust me. And then follow up with an email. So they say, oh, okay, great. It's a reference. Use it as a reference rather than trying to close a transaction. Yeah, so for that sure. kills stuff every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I love it. Love it. All right. So um, we're wrapping up with our list. We have here, you, Anthony, you put second voicing. Yeah. I, I, so with second voicing, I believe. So I think the deal killer move is not getting someone to second voice. That's the thing is, is that they're not interested. Okay. They're not well, interested. What's second voicing? What's second voicing? Let's start with that. So let's just say that <laughs> Bob in the other room um, and I'll pick on him because I always do. Bob in the other room uh, has a deal, and uh, let's say the person does not is not tech savvy, doesn't like the portal that we have. Okay, 
we're starting to be combative with that person. They're just, you know, they're not liking the, the technology. What does one do in that situation? Well, Bob's credibility at that point might have dropped and got deflated, okay? Because he's the person that's going to be the punching bag at that point. And so now the client is being, you know, combative with Bob saying, I'm not using the portal. I don't want to do this. And this is an example I'm giving you guys. The point I'm trying to make is that a manager coming in uh, to the situation or even a team lead or anything, it, it could be anybody in that situation, buyer's agent, maybe that might be the, the, the thing because we're all making money on this together. And you're going to court that person to upload those, those documents. That is a second voice. That person's their mediator. It's all they're out there. They're, Bob's credibility, God bless him, just got deflated. He lost altitude. They might, he's now the person to blame. So you need a second voice in that situation. I hear this all the time. Agents call me up. I lost the deal. You lost the deal, but I guarantee you if I get on the phone and I'm just nobody, I can get that deal back because my validation is greater than yours because you lost my validation. I lose all the time sometimes. If I do that, hey, I need Brian or Adam to go sell it for me now because my validation has gone out the door because of a problem that occurred. We just had this. We just had this problem. And it doesn't need to be like a problem problem, right? It could just be like a challenge. Yeah, it could, it could be a, a roadblock, right? Like, like maybe someone is, is hesitant about purchasing. So now they need that extra push. Get someone else on the phone. <clears throat> These deals are dying because you're not being creative on the way you approach and the deliver uh, on your your uh, your game, man. I mean, it's it's very, second, third voice. Yes, yes, that's that's what we need. Um, it goes a long way. Melinda gave me the second voice yesterday. I chimed her in. I zoomed her in. I had the client on the uh, on the phone. I asked a question that brought that brought down uh, her guard a little bit and made her have peace of mind. Gave us a couple more, you know, days. So I needed that. I call my underwriter. Hey, I've got a client on the phone. I need an answer. What do we do in this situation? Sometimes I do that just because I do it, just because I play psychiatrist saying, look, it's going to make them feel better, right? So it's, it's the delivery. That's all it is. And that is killing so many deals and no one's doing it. Nobody's, nobody's picking up the phone. Nancy and I, Nancy, Michael, amazing agent. We picked up the phone. I shit you not probably 18 times with this client. Now we got them to agree at 258 versus 275 appraised value. Done. We're closing the deal. 18, but listing agent loved us so much because we were constantly communicating on the phone, all of us. So that's that's important. Second voice and validating each other. Two against one, or, or you know, vice versa. It doesn't, it doesn't matter about that. I'm not saying, you know, be strong arming someone. I'm just saying communication is key on the phone. Love it, love it. And that was our final point because I think you already touched on overkill, underkill, right, Anthony? Or did you want to elaborate yeah. on that more? I mean, look, nobody's ever too busy. I'm not too busy. That's a comp out, okay? Um, that is something that we're never going to be too busy, all right? If you're too busy, you need to make more time. Laura just went, uh, did this with uh, someone. We, we're, we have a challenge going on. If you guys haven't signed up, today's the official last day to sign up. Laura uh, called on this agent and Laura's like, yeah, you know, do you want to sign up for the challenge? No, I'm too busy for that. Okay. What time do you wake up, sir? I, I wake up. Uh, what time do you wake up? I wake up at 530. Oh, that's so early. Well, when do you wake up at four? Okay. You wake up at four o'clock, but yet you don't have 15 bucks to do a challenge and make 10 calls a day. This is for you, not us. 
So that's what I mean. Too busy? Bullshit. Nobody's too busy, man. If you're too busy, you're not managing your time properly. Okay. If you're not good at some specific task, then you need to get better at that task, whether it's you know, data entry, pushing paper, processing, underwriting, whatever the case may be, get better at that skill set. But don't use the excuse of, you know, I'm too busy. I can't pick up the phone to call you. Uh, I, I don't have enough time to, uh, to, to help you out, sir. Setting those expectations is, is very important. But that's going to kill deals. I'll, I'll end with this. I had a, a client call me up at, I, I sent it on our, our uh, Facebook channel calls me up yelling at me. Okay. I see her name is uh, Jane, let's say, right. But I see the caller ID because it's it synced to our CRM. I pick up the phone. Hey, Jane, what's going on? How are you? Because I knew she was going to blast me, right? Because she's called me to take her off, to take us off, her off the, uh, uh, the list of, of what she inquired. And in. she went, looked at a house. Bottom line is, is that this client was so captivated with the conversation in 15 minutes that I had with her positive energy, making her laugh after she was pissed off, okay? Because everybody from Zillow and Rotor.com is hammering this one person. She's now doing business with us. She sent her docs in last night, okay? Begging me, literally begging me, God bless her, to, to make the deal work. Quote, unquote, you gave me more information in this 15 minutes than the loan officer and the real estate agent that I'm working with in the last three months. So someone to, to call me, okay, and yell at me, all right, is I'm not too busy. It's so late. Yes, I'm exhausted, especially after our challenge yesterday. And yes, I'm picking up a negative phone call because I want to hear how I can get better. And that's the concept is you guys really need to make sure that you're doing all of these things that we tell you because you're going to learn from those experiences. Now, that's a, you know, that's something that is a skill set that I'm with phones, you know, skills, but where I'm going with that is just because they're calling to yell at you doesn't mean you're not going to have a heart and, and give a shit. And uh, the biggest thing is they're human beings at the end of the day. All right. We're all human beings. And don't look at these um, clients and borrowers and buyers agents and listing agents as a commission, man. It's not about the money. It's about doing what's right and helping that person out. And that was what I told her. I was like, look, we're helping you out. We're a liaison. How can I help you out? Why are you online? And that's, that's it. All right. So I'm going to end with that because we could think like that, Melinda and I, we do that all the time. And that's why we, you know, we help a lot of uh, agents out. So, all right, guys. So that's it for today's content for today's show. We hope you found useful. We hope you pulled out a couple nuggets. You're going to up your game, right? Um, and like we said, today's the last day for the hundred day sales challenge. If you haven't already joined and want to, we have kept the um, registration open for one more day due to popular demand. <laughs> I guess people wait until the last minute uh, and forgetting to register on time. So we have that open uh, until midnight tonight. Um, and please join us to do that because I'm telling you, we already saw such great impact just from yesterday. So it was really, really amazing. The buzz um, in you. that room, man. Like, did you see that last night? Yeah, that was cool. I made my calls. Let's go. Let's go. It's like, I feel like I'm on. Yes. And we have a lot of cool stuff uh, coming in the pipeline to keep the momentum going and to keep um, the growth. Right. So join us if you haven't already. If not, if you're coming to uh, Women's Council uh, right. Investing in Heels tonight, I'll see you there. I look forward to that. And, uh, and yeah, that's a wrap guys. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Bye.